I plan my day. It's got a great big a, a space for each day. And I spend a few minutes in the morning just planning what I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it. And when I've put it in there, I really stick to it. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter. And today, Joe's interviewing Christine Morrison of CMA Training. Christine was introduced to us by Mark Williams from show number 163. Though once the intro had been made, Christine and Mark both reminded Joe that they had all met before in real life at a trainer's training company event, where Joe was speaking for the lovely Sharon Gaskin of show number 53. Formerly a Merseyside police sergeant and a specialist crime prevention advisor, Great Manchester Police, Christine established CMA training in 2003. Since then, she has delivered training workshops and consultancy in personal safety and crime prevention to an extensive range of public, private and voluntary sector organisations in the UK and abroad. Typical clients include frontline staff and housing associations and council departments such as environmental services, children's services and adult care. When she isn't working, you'll find Christine walking up or skiing down a mountain or curled up with a great book. Back to the studio. Today I'm speaking to Christine Morrison of CMA Training. Welcome Christine, thanks for joining me. It's a pleasure Jo, lovely to be here. Excellent, so start by telling us a bit about who you are, what you do and where you do it. Right, um, I'm I'm based up in the northwest, although I co- I work around the UK, and I have I run a business that uh, and I deliver personal safety training or loan worker training to frontline staff who work for maybe housing associations or certain council departments like social workers, adult care, children's services, environmental services. Um, and it's just about the, making sure that people are doing those roles as safe as they possibly can. Quite often they have to go and do challenging conversations. They often go in people's homes. I worked for many years also for the Susie Lamplu Trust. Um, and that's also a very similar kind of work, you know, d- doing training for loan workers, personal safety training for loan workers. Mm-hmm. And I do it really based on a, a previous background of being police officer up in Merseyside Police. Um, so yes, yeah, so I've got a passion for this topic. Lovely. And where are you based? I'm based in Bolton in Greater Manchester. And although um, the work is usually all over the country, actually. Yes, yeah. And do you work from home? Apart from when you're um, all around the country. <laughs> well, I, I, I guess the normal delivery, normal t- would be face-to-face delivery. So yeah. normally I would say I'm just on the road all the time and delivering in-house for various organisations, quite often, usually public sector ones. But at the moment, 
like a lot of other trainers, I'm delivering through my laptop in the dining room table. Mm, so doing so virtual, virtual live training, maybe <laughs> maybe Zoom, maybe on Teams. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a bit more about how you came to have your own business, because um, I often talk on the the podcast with people and say, "Oh, I bet you didn't want to do that when you left school." Um, I clearly, or not clearly, I'm making assumptions here, but you know, being a police officer is is quite a um, a known career path, if you like. But starting a business and training people like you do in the things that you you train them in is not something that I guess you would have expected to be doing. How did that all come about? Well, you definitely you're right, and it definitely wasn't all planned. So I did I did make a career plan to join the police, and um, sadly, down to personal circumstances, I ended up coming out of my of that career after only about eleven years, and that was it was sad because I absolutely loved that job. Um, I'd had a few years living in Austria after university, but I planned to join the police, and that's what I did. And um, when I left Merseyside Police, um, and a lot of it was to do with childcare issues and things like that. I was a single parent. Um, and at the time, our police force didn't cater at all for anybody who did. You couldn't really do part-time working at all. And I was working nights. I had no backup for the childcare. So the, the issue wasn't the job. It was the childcare that sort of ended up making me leave the police. But I, I got a job um, at Liverpool University actually doing some it was a project manager role and it was not my thing. So I knew I didn't want to do that. But part of the project management role was to run um, language courses for people who lived in Liverpool, who worked in Liverpool to try and attract, to try and give them language skills so they could attract people, visitors into Liverpool. So it was a, it was a funded pro- program from the ESF European social fund and the long story short is that uh, I got quite interested in the actual language teaching side and my degree had been in languages. So, so from there, I ended up going to do a PGCE and became a languages teacher in a secondary, in a secondary school in, oh, I didn't in see Greater that Manchester. <laughs> so, no, well, it was kind of really very different. But, and um, actually, there's quite a lot of similarities, I can tell you, between being a Merseyside police officer and being a secondary <laughs> school teacher in Oldham. And I really, really enjoyed it. But there was the, the, the lure of police kept sort of winking at me. And the job came up asking for a crime prevention advisor, but civilian staff for Greater Manchester. And I applied and got the job. And from uh, so I was working then doing crime prevention, a crime prevention role in Greater Manchester Police. And then for um, got seconded to the Home Office College up in North Yorkshire, where we delivered um, crime prevention training to all the crime prevention specialists in the country. And there was a few other things happened between times, but from there I ended up being um, that the, the police. The police took over, so the College of Policing took over this training from the Home Office College, and they asked if I would carry on doing the training, but as a self-employed person as opposed to being seconded still. And it seemed a great opportunity, so it just felt right, so I just did it. So on the basis, actually, at the time of three months, a promise of three months' work, despite the fact I had a massive mortgage and two young kids uh, on my own. It just felt right, so I just did it, and I launched myself into CMA CMA training, initially doing lots and lots of this um, crime prevention training for the College of Policing. And over over a number of years, I started doing um, 
more work for my own clients. And I actually started working for the Susie Lamplew Trust as well, doing personal safety. I became one of their national training consultants. And um, so the, the balance of work tipped more towards personal safety eventually mm-hmm. and less crime prevention. I still mm-hmm. do some crime prevention work now. I do some with a couple of police forces, Kent being one, Greater Manchester, um, uh, a couple of fire and rescue services. But I would say most of the work now is personal safety for lone yeah. workers. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a bit about how you've transitioned from traveling around to to working online. And obviously, it is something that many of us have have sort of gone through. Um, I was fortunate in that most of what I did was online already. Uh, but you know, you clearly have had a, a big change in how you're delivering what you're delivering. Tell us a bit about how that um, how that progressed, given it was only like four months ago. <laughs> Well, um, I literally this time last year, I would have said, no, I don't do anything online. I don't do any e-learning and I don't, I wouldn't have heard of virtual life training or probably, you know, wouldn't have ever thought it related to what I do because my thing was very much face-to-face training, in-house training with a lot of, you know, long-term clients. And, and it's just, it's just completely had to change. So um, first of all, when we went into lockdown, I, um, I guessed, and I think, I think I was correct in this, that clients wouldn't really want someone like me knocking on their door every five minutes and saying, well, what about the training? What about the training? Because they were probably having to sort out all their own staff to get them working from home. So I made a deliberate decision just to let things be, uh, for a month or so at least. And in that time to make the effort to learn all about virtual live training so I did a I did a court I did a qualification actually that's called call for um, the certified online uh, facilitator so I did that qualification um, and at the same time I'm part of a trainer network um, trainer talk and a few of us got together and sort of practiced doing zoom and teams on each other using doing micro little micro teaching really mm. and learned but the combination of those things and, and attending lots of webinars, I learned quite a lot about doing virtual live training. And uh, and then, you know, there's quite a few of the clients one by one have come back to me and said, you know, we really need this training. Are you able to offer it any different way than face to face? And by the time they were contacting me for that discussion, I was mm. up and running with Zoom and with um, yeah teams and so yes I've and now I'm working with quite with with I would say a lot of the clients that I normally work with who do the training that I deliver it's mandatory training for quite a lot of their staff so yeah I think it was just a case of um when when we would get going again and it's working I'm really surprised to be saying this it's working really really well there's benefits for all their staff because they're not traveling halfway across the country to get to a training event. And yeah. and it is much more interactive than I actually thought it could be. So mm. I feel as though I'm doing my normal stuff now, but I'm just doing it, doing it through the laptop seems quite normal. Yeah, excellent to hear. And what about sort of top tips for anyone who hasn't quite decided to do, to do that? Because I think that some people are still in early days. Some people may just have hibernated for the, for the last few months. And from what you're, you've said, Clearly, um, even when you didn't expect it to work for you, it, it has done. Um, you know, what would you say to people who, who are still unsure? 
I would say if you can be in a little peer group uh, where you can practice and practice and uh, on each other and get feedback, that was the crucial thing. Learning stuff together and then and then actually delivering mini mini teachers. It doesn't matter what topic. I mean, we I just did personal safety and other people yeah. in the group did their normal topic. But it was about using the using the technology, and uh, so that would be a really top tip. And that, and for me as well, doing the um, formal qualification although if I'm being very frank I got more from the peer mentoring group probably but doing the qualification made me decide I was going to get on and do it so it gave me that kick up the backside to start off um and and you know paying some hard cash for that and and turning up and 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 it, it very much consolidated what I was learning informally as well but then I think another top tip I would give is don't don't just use all the tech just because it's there. And I'll just, one example would be in Zoom. You know, one of the features is to do a poll. Well, I would never do a poll in a normal training session. So trying to fit a poll in just because I can um, mm. seems a bit daft. So, But at first, I think there was this uh, feeling that you've got to try, you've got to put all the technology in. So you're yeah. doing, but now I find that I'm doing, I'm just being myself again now. My, my training sessions are usually pretty informal with a lot of discussions so whether that's small group bigger group and now because I feel a lot more confident and comfortable doing the training I just feel I can just be myself again and yeah and it feels a lot more relaxed and normal um, yeah so I think that's got to be a top tip don't just use all the tech just because it's there yes yeah yeah so I ask all my guests for uh, questions before we start as well to sort of add to mine and one of the questions you suggested I ask is about um your thoughts on lifelong learning and I, I think already you've you've shown yourself to be different to some people in that sort of, you know, a a crisis hits, there's a, there's a a situation and you immediately went to formally do some learning and then to sort of really uh, take that into even stronger learning with the peer group, as you said, what, what are your, how do you keep yourself learning and and what are your sort of thoughts around that? Because not, I don't think everyone would have done that. You know, some people would have just sat and waited and then muddled their way through. It sounds like you took some action straight away uh, to improve your own skills um, quite formally. Actually, until you just mentioned it like that, I hadn't thought about it. But if I think back to leaving the police, which was traumatic in that it wasn't really my choice and I didn't really want to go. It was just life changes. But then I've just realized I did my PGC back then. Um, and so I did some formal learning then as well. And I've always yeah. done, I've always done stuff. And it was only um, I, last year, I probably lost, I think it was last September. I graduated. I, I did an MBA. So I'm a bit older than a lot of the people on my uh, MBA cohorts, but it just felt right for me to do it. And I also felt right doing it when I was in my fifties rather than being a bit younger. Mm-hmm. And I got so much from it. And I think we do, um, I, I went to Henley business school for this and they do a huge amount of personal development at Henley and which probably ended up being my overall favorite uh, module of all. Yeah. And I remember writing very early in a journal, you know, I've realized I am an intrinsic learner. I do it because I want to learn and not because I've been told I've got to get this qualification. So that's, that's, that's very clear that I love learning and, I, and um, I'm, I'm a linguist as well, or my background was languages. So I've, I've been trying to do something. Um, I, I speak, I, I learn languages quite 
easily and so I've been doing some Italian whilst I've been whilst we had lockdown as well mm. so yeah it's obvious, it is very clear that I do like learning and it's and it's a big part of who I am mm. and being involved in little groups where we can discuss some of these things that we've read or you know we can share them or listen to so yeah it's very much part yeah. of what I do mm. even this morning I was on a, um, a three-hour course actually which was all about embracing technology so yes. again adding some extra tips and tricks to the the stuff that I'm already doing it which is also a really really useful session this morning yeah so you're right I I, it's very much part of what I who I am Mm, and you clearly carve out that time for it which um not you know doesn't always happen so yeah so when you first talked about your role being very much about sort of traveling and and working with your clients and and being on the road my initial thought was I must ask about how you sort of fit that into your life and what does that look like because you know traveling can be quite taxing on on people when you know you've obviously got a life to lead as well it strikes me that obviously things have changed completely for you (laughs) and you're not traveling at all at the moment and um that is you know a question in itself as well because you know you've changed your life massively in in the last few months you know and not through choice particularly but you're you are talking very positively about the online part of it now so so just sort of give us a a flavor of of of, um how you you know keep yourself doing the things that you want to do and how things have now changed and and how you're feeling about that now well I feel I really feel really positive and excited about it I'm actually moving house next week so I'm not um not happy obviously about the the COVID situation but I would say if you'd asked me last year, what, what do you want to be doing in the next five years? I probably would have said, I'd like to carry on with my business because I really, really love it. But I would like to be doing less traveling and right. maybe have much more of a balance so I can spend more time um, just seeing people um, because I can go, I can be away and quite calm. I'm, I can be away from Friday, uh, Sunday night till you know Friday, I can be on the road all week. But I do love traveling and that's, I get a lot from that and I've got friends around the country so I'll meet up with people but sometimes you just come back on a Friday night and Saturday is all about you know washing your clothes and <laughs> getting some shopping and Sunday's yeah. trying to see my mum who's quite elderly and then you're on the road again so it's, it has been it has been um weird in a very positive way I've slept in the same bed my own bed for the last few months which I've not done for years um and uh but I'm really enjoying it I've seen a lot more I've seen a lot more virtually and I've seen a lot more in the last few weeks, physically of um, close friends and family, yeah. I've done a lot, and I'm very keen walker. Um, so I've had more time to do walking and exercise, um, which has been great. So it's been very positive, and, and the actual house move as well. So again, if you'd asked me last year, what, how, where do you see yourself being in five years? I might have said less traveling, still doing what I really enjoy doing, but perhaps more of a balance. Maybe at some point, even doing some e-learning work, so that I might have you know there might be some passive income at some point coming in yeah and uh, and living more in a rural environment and next week I'm moving to a village in <laughs> Lancashire uh, huh? and and I, and I find myself doing um you know that the work that I was hoping to do in a few years so it's yeah it's been a strange yeah. but positive time for me yeah so it's interesting the thing you said about sort of meeting more people I was reflecting talking to someone the other day that you know I've never been one who's wanted to go out and meet people for coffee because by the time you've driven somewhere for half an hour and had your coffee and driven home again, that's like half your day gone. Um, yeah. But people weren't really up for meeting online. It, it was seen as being the sort of 
second class citizen to, to meeting in real life and I, so I've been really pleased that people have come to me now <laughs> but you know you can just have a half an hour coffee online and that's it and you can do like three or four of them at the same time as it would take you to you know travel all around and and uh, you know swapping from one to the other is really easy in an online situation compared to sort of real life so it's interesting how I feel like I've spoken to more people since I've not left the house than, than before it's odd isn't it it is odd and it's and it's that leveraging your time that you've just sort of hit on the head mm. you know hit the nail on the head it's that getting more time because you're not having to spend I haven't realized how much time I spent actually traveling um or being on the train or waiting for a train or crossing London just hadn't yeah. realized until I until I wasn't doing it no, and, no. and also how much money how much money you spend in coffee shops and prep yes. and lunch and things like that that's incredible how much you know what isn't coming out of my bank account at the moment which yeah. normally be trickling out all the time yeah yeah absolutely so what about getting done what you need to get done what sort of tools and apps and sort of systems do you use for making sure that you're running your business as you want to Okay, so I'm, um, if, if you ask, if you're going to ask me where, where do you really need to do a bit of work, I probably would have said <laughs> on things like automation um, and stuff like that. But, but I do, uh, I have got a couple, there's an app I really like called Things, which is, you know, a kind of, uh, of, of a to-do, it's, it's not automation by any means, but it's a to-do list type of app. But what I really do, what I do genuinely well, I think, is and it sounds a bit old-fashioned but I have a big journal and this has worked really well for me since not traveling because it's too big to carry around with me but it's a huge <laughs> book called the law of attraction planner and I plan my day it's got a great big a, a space for each day and I spend a few minutes in the morning just planning what I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it and when I've put it in there I really stick to it um, and I find myself much better organized when I do when I do use that planner and I can yeah. jot other things down so I can a little bit of journaling as well uh, but it's the it's the planning what I'm going to do each day and getting the you know that book eat that frog yeah that mm-hmm. yes that's one of my favorites and um, <laughs> and that, so I put down every morning what's going to be the frog and yeah. uh, make sure and, and literally and genuinely I do it which is I wouldn't have done in the past so I find that really works for me um yes. and the, the automation is going to be coming but um i i was having a conversation with somebody else recently about the automation because everybody else does automation and doesn't mean to say i have to and i actually work with um a, a number of long-term clients and i don't need automation for those conversations i just need to have a conversation with them or a quick email or a quick catch-up so I've decided a little bit to run my own race a bit more and not worry about what everyone else is doing because mm. and just look after the clients that I've worked with for for years and years. And funny enough, this morning somebody's just pop, uh, popped out of the woodwork who I've not worked with for a few years because they went through a merger and they were the little. It was actually more of a takeover, and my my old L and D uh, contact lost his job through the merger. So anyway, they. And, and uh, so they started doing their personal safety training a different way, I think, or maybe doing some e- in-house e-learning and they've mm-hmm. popped up this morning. I think looking after your clients is my number one tip. And, yes. um, and I'll, put it, I'll put it in front of automation or, or blogging even or sticking stuff on LinkedIn. And I watch other people think, oh, I should be doing all of this. And then, no, actually what works <laughs> for me is definitely 
to to work with the existing people who are who are choosing to have um, personal safety as a mandatory course for their staff or for their Mm. lone working staff Mm. and they have it as a you know every two years maybe every three years so it makes so much more sense to focus my time on existing clients really yes yes yeah yeah and I love that you're you're certainly in in the right place in terms of uh, my stuff is always around you know what's right for you and um being really clear about that I think as you say so many people sort of jump on the bandwagon or think oh they're doing it I I ought to be and and end up sort of doing a half job on something and actually it's so much about individuals and that's one of the things that I struggled with when I started my power to live more business for home-based coaches and consultants around you know this sort of productivity and getting things done and and getting to live more so that's do the things that you want to do and less the stuff you don't the, the struggle I had at the beginning was, well, I can't tell people it's a program or or a, a specific way of doing things because there isn't a specific way of doing things. It's what works for you as an individual, and that's the sort of key. Um, so it's not cookie cutter at all because, as you've just said, you know we're all different. And you know, great that you've identified your biggest lever in your business is that relationship yeah. building and maintaining. Um, and you know, throw everything at that because as long as, as you say, they keep needing the training every so often you know that you've got the next however many years mapped out don't you well, yeah, absolutely and a typical client would be um a housing association let's say based in the south who might just drop me an email um late in the financial year just said oh hi christine is it can we just book in some dates for next year well we want 27 mm-hmm. and that you know and and that's from no i've not done any linkedin posts to get that i've just had done a good job in the classroom yeah. fed back you know regularly being i would say a good supplier and had a had a sort of good relationship with the people from the D team or sometimes i work with health and safety team it depends on the organization and just yeah. having that relationship and then it, the work will just come back so I think I, for me, definitely, it's uh, very much about nurturing relationships and doing mm. a good job in the classroom and, and not trying to spread myself too thin. Mm-hmm. What tips have you got for nurturing those relationships? Have you got um, things that you do that you sort of diary to keep in touch and, and so on? I, d- I don't and I think this is something that I perhaps should do, but I, d- I just I don't because I, I do it automatically. Um, I might only be working with, I don't know, between 10 and 15 companies on a regular basis. So I know all those people pretty well. And after each session, I always do a little bit of feedback for them, which is not part of any, you know, it's not something that they've asked for, but I always do it. And that that all in itself just creates a little bit of relationship building without me mm. even having to think about diarying and uh, putting anything in the diary so um mm-hmm. and it's just something really really simple i just get i capture feedback from the group even if they're doing um it's not a happy sheet or something it's just something quickly i might say you know what did you what can you what what will you take away and use from this training today and and uh, you know little bits like that what can you go and use in your personal life what can you use in your professional life and uh, how, how useful was this training i'll just capture snippets on post-it notes and i usually type it up and, and feed it through back through to the learning development manager yeah and so that'll be straight on the back of um, a course very very simple probably takes me 15 or 20 minutes to do an email with this little bit of feedback in it and they're always extremely grateful for it and they tend to keep it and and, and also sorry one of the bits of feedback is is uh, is there anything you'd like um 
to tell your company or your health and safety manager about issues to do with personal safety. So they've got a really good opportunity to give their, you know, to give really clear and uh, hot, hot and quick and dirty feedback, but through to yeah. the right person. So if they've got something that's been really bothering them and they don't want to bring it up with a line manager, I'm, I'm able just to, um, capture that feedback and send it through so so the the health and safety manager always appreciates this feedback and the and the L&D managers do as well and it's just such a small part of my day but it it plays out really well yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. so change the subject talk a bit about um keeping sort of fit and healthy and full of energy for your business again you, you're that's changed you've already mentioned that you've had time to uh, walk a lot since um, lockdown I guess it was harder to do this when you were traveling more than perhaps it is now what sort of things do you sort of ensure that you that you do to keep yourself energized for what you need to do okay so aside from um, the COVID situation I've always been a keen I've always been very sporty and quite keen on being outside so I'm a keen skier keen walker um ideally i would go up to the lakes a few times i I don't live too far from the lake district actually so i I can get up there and up and down in a day so that's something i would normally do but the last few months i've I've walked every day just probably about five miles uh there's lots of walks from where i live um without even getting the car so doing it but but i've had the time to perhaps just get up and go out before Mm -hmm. starting to work which you can't do from a hotel room or you have to be so super disciplined to do that it's just not as easy as it from a hotel room around the country no, and no. um so and I've 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 joined I've started the um I was very impressed by the Joe Wicks thing and I've I've started his 90 day I don't know if you've seen it this 90 day challenge which ah. is um <laughs> doing lots of those high intensity but fun um high intensity interval training sessions quite fun and and healthy it's not dieting by a million by, by a long chalk because i find i find myself eating way more than i would normally but it's um it's it's healthier eating them than i do when i'm always on the road when i'm working away i find i'm either at a pret or a marks and spencer's food outlet or i'm eating a big a big pub tea with maybe two glasses of wine and so i'm eating a lot healthier than i usually do and yeah. i'm getting to do more exercise so it's good yeah yeah it's funny you mentioned joe wicks my mother-in-law um started doing the uh daily stuff as soon as we went into lockdown as did some of the family but she's carried on, carried it on she does three sessions a day <laughs> age 76 with joe wicks in her sitting room it's so funny that's amazing. And that's what I really like the guy as well. He's so, he's likable, isn't he? I mean, he's, he just comes across as a really nice guy who just yeah. wants you to um, feel good. And it, he actually, he's got a little mantra that you never, you, you never um, feel bad after doing a workout. And it's quite true. And he yeah. makes it fun as well. And it's short enough. To, and so I'm sure, I'm sure I get on very well with your mother-in-law because um, it, it, it is fun and you do feel better afterwards and you can do it at your own level. So if she, I don't know if she can do star jumps and burpees, but he gives you the option to do the like the slow mo version if you want. And um, oh, I yeah. can't see her doing burpees. To be fair, <laughs> she does still ski, but I can't see her doing burpees. So, <laughs> but he let, so I'll ask her he later. You, yeah, ask her. But she, you can, you can do the slow mo ones with him. Yeah. So it just you kind of walk down and walk back and walk up. You yeah. know. So yeah, um, yeah. if I'm being quite honest, I don't do the full burpee either at the moment. But I can yeah. feel myself getting. Fitter, even though I've always been very sporty, I've, I don't think I've been. I think I'm fitter now because I'm 60 than I was when I was 40. 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's yeah. doing something every day rather than doing a couple of uh, games of netball a week. I'm doing yes. something every day. It makes me a lot yeah. better. Oh, you're a fellow netballer, are you? I am, yeah. <laughs> or not at the moment. Yeah, I do. I do. Oh. I, haven't, uh, I, I had stopped a little bit before I even locked down, but uh, I just started to get back into it. And my daughter plays um, a ton. So she, she was playing about seven times a week this time last year. So, uh, yeah. Oh, you, you reminded me actually because they send they've sent challenges every week for her from her netball club and uh, she's she's not been as diligent as she might have oh. been so <laughs> she's got a load of catching up to do. Yeah, yeah, and it's but, easy to let it go, isn't it? A little bit. Oh, it's yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, what about um, we talked about learning and improving earlier, and when I ask people that, I often say, you know, what about sort of books, podcasts, and things that you might listen to. Um, you asked me about um, asking you about your best personal development and business books. So which which would you be recommending? I have actually got loads that I really really love, but um, we we mentioned one before, which was Eat That Frog, which yeah. is uh, for me it's a really important thing because I was the I was the terrible a really well I was very good at procrastination uh, in that I procrastinated far too much, and um, I could I think it was when I was doing my MBA dissertation, you know, I'd be looking at the windows and thinking, oh, I'm going to clean the windows now because it was just anything but do the dis- work on the dissertation and, um, I and I, my I, oven. <laughs> yeah exactly and so I read that book during that time and it changed my mindset quite a lot so uh, that was a great book eat that frog so get the biggest the worst bit of work out of the way when you're at your freshest yes and yeah. with this, 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 there's loads of others but there's a we've just mentioned before about um leverage we talk about leveraging yeah. time and i've got a book uh, called life leverage by rob moore which is and it really it's about make sure that you're not spending don't try and do everything yourself because you won't be very good at everything for sure mm-hmm. and um if there's things that you can outsource if it means you if it means you freeing up more of your time to do the things that you're really good at then why wouldn't you do that and i th- i think I love the ethos of this book and the, I've, I've actually done quite a lot more of that recently yeah. and I found it works really well for me. So yeah. I'm not great at designing things like super duper PowerPoint slides. So why not get somebody else who is, who, who can do it in 10 minutes, what would take me a day to do. So I'd mm. happily pay someone for their expertise Um rather than try and spend a day and getting really frustrated and, and, and ultimately not doing a particularly good job. So life leverage is a, is a fantastic one. Yeah. And you know, that's your, just to say, that's your version of automation. When you were saying, you know, everyone's talking about automation. I'm not sure if it's for me, you're outsourcing, which is why you don't need to automate because you know, you've got those things happening for you um, rather than you having to do them yourself. And interesting, Rob Moore is a, a fellow podcast guest as is um, oh. Sharon Gaskin, who you mentioned for the Trainers Training Company earlier in, in the interview as well. So we're doing lots of good loops here. Oh, well, I did, and, I, and I hadn't realised, because I, I love his, I, I find his books brilliant, and they make me full of, like, positivity and energy. So, that, yeah, fabulous. And have yeah. you heard of a book called The Squiggly Career? Oh, I think vaguely, but tell, tell but, us more. Well, this is, this is, um, the, this, it's called The Squiggly Career and it's by two ladies called Helen Tupper and Sarah Ellis. And basically um, what they're saying is nowadays, they both worked in corporates for years 
Um, and they said, you know, what used to be the very normal progression, like up a ladder, you know, in one organization and up, a, up the sort of ladder, um, you, that doesn't happen anymore. And people now have a, have a, instead of a linear or a ladder type of career, they have this squiggly career. So it's quite normal then to, to go from different uh, organizations, maybe different roles quite often different sectors sometimes you go back which in the in years gone by you almost didn't ever go back to the one place of the same place of work and they've got a really I, I love I, I met Helen actually when we both were doing our MBA at uh, Henley at, this, at a similar time and I met her mm. briefly then and I could tell she was brilliant at the time she was the marketing manager for Virgin but since since then her and Sarah both set up a business called Amazing If and they and they co-wrote this book, which has been out since January. And it's all about playing to your super strengths, knowing what your own strength is and then playing to those. So spending most of your time focused on your strengths and rather than trying to do like the PowerPoint example I just gave you, you know. So and and working, so discovering your values as well. So um, knowing what your own values are and then making sure that whatever work you accept or follow or what role you're doing that you that it fits with your values mm-hmm. and then they're also very clear about you know everyone's got confidence gremlins and how to overcome those and how to build better support networks and it's just a really really good book and they've got a podcast of the same name which is also fantastic yeah um, is they have the podcast is themed so if you looked on the website you can you can go in and you can cherry pick actually which you know i'm really interested in oh there's one about redundancy or there's one about confidence so you know you can go through and just because they're all themed and they've also got some superb guest speakers on there as well so that's another favorite book and another favorite book i don't know if you've read this one is called radical candor by kim yes, scott i have she been has she been a podcast guest she hasn't but i tell you who has been who you would love um because she talks about something similar but she has a different name for it and that's danielle mcleod so check her out so we're doing a really good uh, circle round on all these uh, so radical candor and she talks about oh something compassion but yeah carry on oh, she yeah well she talks about um she talks about um well she's got that quadrant it's like you know you, you've got to care personally but also challenge people directly yeah and it's a you know, there's a quadrant and if you, basically if you, the top right hand quadrant is when you care personally about your staff and you, but you can also challenge them directly if they're not doing a good job. And that's the radical candor. But if you went into the top left quadrant, which I've, I've known a lot of managers who've done this in the past, they really care about you. They definitely do care, but they're not very good at challenging you. So they end up being, and it's called ruinous empathy. Um, that right. top left and, and it really struck a chord with me because I've met a lot of bosses who they so want to be nice to you they don't ever challenge you and then the next minute everyone everyone loses because they don't tell you that you're doing a bad job everyone else in the team is really fed up because you're doing a bad job and getting off getting away with it and yeah. in the meantime the manager hates being a manager because uh, you know it's not working and the team's not being very effective so I love that book she's Kim Scott as you obviously know um, she worked for some huge corporates in the states and and it's very readable it's very punchy isn't it so I, I love I love that book yes yeah definitely and yeah I'd definitely suggest um checking out Danielle McLeod as well I've um, written it down as yeah. we speak oh really. here you go so she talks about heart-centered leadership but um her phrase was ruthless compassion ah right I just, okay I just always thought that was just different sort of a different yeah. spin on on what you've just said as well so um yeah yeah, yeah. lovely so 
just before my last couple of question, questions, um, your, your other question that I haven't uh, yet heard come out in the conversation is what would be your mantra? Just do it like Nike. Uh. Just do it. <laughs> because because people I when I'm I'm quite uh, I'm very curious when I'm listening to other people and yeah you say well why don't you why don't you do that oh I've had a great idea and I'd really like to do this and so we'll just just do it and they're like and then they throw up loads of reasons why they shouldn't <laughs> and I just say well just do it yeah what can go, you know the worst thing that can happen is it cannot work and then you just stop doing it so yeah just, yeah just do it uh, and just it. go for it I'll go along with that. I had an ex-boyfriend once who used to spend all his time complaining about stuff. And I remember him saying things like, oh, I haven't found my dad. And I'd go, well, go on then. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, just find him. <laughs> and he used to hate the fact that I was used to like, as we call yeah. it in our house, turn into the skid. I was used to go, well, just go and do it then. Why, why are we, you know, let's not sit here complaining about it. Just go and do it. And it was like, no, I want to sit here and complain about it. Which is why he then became an ex-boyfriend. Well, and then, and then it, I think everything falls down into, and I think you're probably very similar, but there's people who are radiators and there are people who are drains. Oh, yeah. And I'm yeah. always drawn very much to the radiators, and I'm sure you are as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, or sometimes you're drawn to the, to the drain and you don't realise it until too late. Yeah. And then, and then they become the X. Eventually. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So last couple of questions then. So what about those days where it all goes horribly wrong? Uh, what do you, how do you do with that, deal with those? Um, I, I, I think I'm quite resilient. I think I've learned that about myself. I had a few, you know, knocks along the way, divorce and bits and bobs like that. And actually leaving the police was a bit of a, you know, a struggle with, I, I, mm. I could have struggled with that, but I, I think I'm quite good at picking myself and dusting myself down. I do give myself a good talking to, but if I'm, if I'm really having a, a bad day, I'll just talk to a close, one of many close friends Mm -hmm. um, and just get it out there. I don't keep things in particularly. Um, I usually just speak to somebody and just have a bit of a vent. And then I, I am pretty good afterwards at picking myself up mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. starting off again because none of it has been particularly, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's not life and death of things I'm talking about. It's just sometimes things might have been a bit difficult. Or, um, and I, and I, I will, I'll just talk to people and then just pick myself up, get a give myself a bit of a break I'm quite good at I'm quite good at saying to myself you know it's give yourself a break do something nice for myself perhaps that's when I will take it take some time and just if I have a day I would take myself up to the lakes and have a good walk get some fresh mm -hmm. air and mm -hmm. go, up the, go up a fell and um, mm -hmm. I would definitely feel better after that yeah so that moves on to what what about those days where you get to live more where you get to do more of the things that you want to do unless of the stuff that you don't what do they look like the walk up the fell oh definitely if i yeah or um in back in sort of different situation i lived in austria for a long time so that would be a ski um in the in the in the summer i could walk up the mountains and in the winter it would definitely be a sort of few hours skiing so i had a, i was very privileged in my early 20s and very much still got itchy feet for those times because I, I lived in the mountains in Austria and that's very that's me that I, I love I love that environment um, and so a good day would look like that I'd be outside probably um, got rosy cheeks um, mm -hmm. and come back in and be having a nice cup of tea and a glass of wine chatting to friends after with aching legs and rosy cheeks I think mm, lovely lovely Thank you, Christine. So great to speak to you today. Um, tell people how they can find out more about you and get in touch. 
I'm on LinkedIn, so it's just Christine Morrison, and you find me on LinkedIn. And um, I have an email, Christine at CMA Training, and the website is called cmatraining.com. Brilliant. Thanks for joining me. It's an absolute pleasure, Joe. Lovely to speak to you. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 171, then you'll find them there. And this week I'm going to keep it really short because it's so hot in England at the moment, or certainly in the south of England where I am, and um, it's late, it's gone midnight, and it's still really hot. I don't know what degrees, 25 or something probably. Uh, So not really conducive to working. (laughs) Um, I've been talking with my Australian students this week and they've been laughing, saying, you know, what you're getting is just like a normal day in Australia. It'd be a lovely day, but I keep reminding them we don't have air conditioning, so... We've had a good few days of it being quite tough and then today uh, there was a bit of a breeze and the sun wasn't out even though it was warm so Simon and I sat in the garden and worked from there and that was actually quite nice today but it's gone hot again now although we're expecting a thunderstorm. Somebody on Facebook said it was going to happen at 10 o'clock and that was about three hours ago so it doesn't appear to have happened so far. So this week I just wanted to talk briefly about uh, productivity tools which is what we discussed at Counterpoint Networking this week. And uh, it was quite a wide-ranging discussion, albeit there were few of us because, again, I think the weather probably got in the way. I wasn't really expecting anyone to to turn up, but uh, the stalwarts did come along. And we talked about lots of different things. So uh, we talked about some apps uh, called Notability, which was for note-taking and using uh, an iPad and a pen to actually sort of write on. We had a big discussion about the fact that many people like pen and paper. And in fact, if you're a regular podcast listener, you'll know that many of my guests, probably all of them by about four, do most of their planning and task management through pen and paper. Uh, unlike me, and I hardly ever use pen and paper. We talked about mind mapping. And I said that I used to use or I tried, I don't really like mind maps myself, but I tried uh, MindMeister. And uh, Jilly said that she uses something called uh, Iowa Mind Map for Kids, which she's not sure if it's still um, in that guise, but it's basically mind mapping for children, which makes it much more colourful and um, a a bit sort of less linear than you might get in the other options. We talked about Evernote as a tool for keeping notes. And I was saying some of the things that I use my Evernote for basically any meeting I have, I just jot uh, the minutes, the notes straight into my Evernote account. I keep, I used to keep recipes on there, but I don't do that now. I've got a really cool app called Paprika that I use now, uh, but I did used to use it for recipes. I use it to keep things like instruction booklets, either that I've scanned or that I've downloaded from the internet for the things that I have. I scan uh, useful content so that I can get rid of the paper and keep it safe somewhere. Um, I've got a packing checklist on there for when I go away. Um, If I've seen interesting articles that I want to go back to and perhaps learn from and use as a checklist in the future, then I stick those into Evernote too. And the reason I do that is it's really easy to do so, but also the search is really good. So you can easily find things once you've put them into um, Evernote. We also talked about uh, password uh, software, so a way that you can... uh, save passwords so that you don't use the same password password for many different sites and also that you can use because you're not having to remember them quite complicated passwords so they're much more secure 
Uh, we talked about LastPass, which is what I use. And if you go to joedodds.com forward slash recommends forward slash LastPass, that'll take you there. And in fact, I should have given you the link to Evernote, joedodds.com forward slash recommends forward slash Evernote. <laughs> um, you can see the pattern there. Um, so LastPass, and there's one called, um, or is it First Password? I think might be one of the other. Or is it First Pass? But, you know, basically a, a password management tool is really key. I've talked before about the to-do list tool that I use, which is Todoist, uh, which I think is really cool because it can be really simple, but also it can be really sophisticated. There's so much functionality in there and they're changing it all the time. They're developing it all the time. Uh, new updates come through constantly. So um, really good recommendation from me for that one. We talked about CRMs and I was saying that I use Capsule CRM, which I uh, have uh, used for quite a long time now and I've used it across my business the choir that I used to be the secretary for and we use it in, at Engage for Success as well and again I find it really simple the interface is really simple and straightforward and you sort of know where you are with it but it actually has quite a lot of functionality as well and so that's joedodds.com forward slash recommends forward slash capsule I think I don't think it's got the CRM on it and then Penny mentioned a couple of uh, references who I was very aware of. So Asian Efficiency is a really cool company that I listen to their podcast, but they also have a website and a membership site uh, that has lots of interesting productivity stuff on it. And also she mentioned the Productivity Ninja, which is Graham Olcott, who actually was a podcast guest uh, a number of shows ago. So if you, I can't remember off the top of my head what number, but if you go to the website and do a search on the blog section or the product, um, the podcast section for Graham Olcott and that's with an H and Olcott is A-L-L-C-O-T-T then you'll find his interview with me there. So that's most of what we were discussing and uh, clearly we could have carried on for hours talking about different types of productivity tools. Oh the other one I didn't mention was um, Zapier which is the tool that you can use to uh, connect two uh, platforms or two apps, two tools together to help uh, to create automation, which um, I've mentioned on many occasions before. So that was another one that we talked about. So yeah, lots to, to talk about. And uh, of course, all the notes from, from that meeting will go up onto the Counterpoint ne Networking website under the resources shared so that people who have been to meetings and our members can look at those. So if you're interested, please do go to counterpointnetworking.co.uk. I'm feeling like my, I'm tripping over my words this evening. I think it's just because it's so hot. <laughs> so I'm going to stop now. Um, again, the show notes for this week's show are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 171. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more.